again, everybody. It's time for the Mainland Podcast, episode number 76. I am Michael Citra, the managing editor from TheMainland.com, and joining me, one of our writers, Dave Rowe. And Dave, we are now inside the 2017 MLS season. Not only that, but we're undefeated so far. First place, baby. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> Yeah, in fact, uh, if it wasn't for a uh, a little bit of a meltdown by Atlanta United to give up that second goal, um, Orlando City would be in first place all by themselves in the Eastern Conference, and um, which is probably not a, a huge endorsement for the Eastern Conference uh, based on, on the play this weekend. But um, Orlando City uh, has gone out and defeated rival New York City FC 1-0, in the opening game of the brand spanking new stadium um, and uh, three points uh, against the hated rival at home uh, in a very emotional match. And uh, we'll get more into that in just a bit. But uh, as you can probably tell, uh, we're recording this on Tuesday night. My voice still has not quite fully recovered from Sunday. Um, typically, I would be in the press box for these games covering them, but uh, I wanted to get a feel for that. Safe standing section, Dave. I wanted to, to get up there with the supporters and and um, you know experience what that what that standing section is like. And it was everything that you know people said it would be. It was it was a tremendous experience to see the game from there. I wrote a story about it for the mainland.com. Uh, so you can you can catch that there. The safe standing section um, delivered fully everything that we thought it would. It was loud. It was um, you know, it afforded a great view of the game. Uh, we went up very high, uh, cut just a couple of rows from the top. In fact, uh, the last little bit, last half hour or so before uh, recording this podcast, I was trying to find myself on the uh, on the fan cam, but <laughs> because of the angle of the fan cam, I believe I'm obscured behind a ruckus flag. Um, me and and several friends. In fact, I went to the uh, went to the game with my former podcast uh, partner uh, Andrew Harrison uh, me and him went and we met up with uh, a couple other former mainland writers um, Wade Williams and uh, and Luis Hernandez so we all watched the game together um, we also saw another former colleague Brent Petkus before the game and uh, we we looked for Kevin Mercer but we didn't find him before the game didn't see Sean Rollins but you know a lot of mainlanders there did see Austin David he uh, yeah. he was covering the game and uh, because of the extreme amount of interest in the game he didn't get to sit in the press box he got to uh he he had to sit in section seven i believe and so did scott crumbly so uh gavin was the only one of us in the press box for for the opener so um but we did have a strong mainland presence at the opening game and i I do want to say that um the the safe standing section uh supporter section is a, a fantastic place to see the game we we yelled, we cheered, we you know screamed, we chanted, we sung, um, and we stomped our feet. The the aluminum uh, uh, flooring makes for nice you know loud sounds when you stomp. Um, the the roof holds all the noise in. It was much louder and much more boisterous and and uh, I think an, an intimidating atmosphere than anything that we've experienced at the Citrus Bowl slash Camping World Stadium. And the 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 only flaw that I found is that if you if you have a full beer and you put it in the cup holder and you're jumping up and down, the vibrations spill a little bit of your beer out. So make sure you take a few sips before you put the beer in the beer holder uh, in the cup holder there um, in the safe standing section. That, now, that would be my my advice to uh, to first timers. Now, let me ask you. You say that that was something you found out. Is that because you saw it happen to other people? Because I know that you were not drinking that beer that slowly. <laughs> yeah, actually, it was it was Andrew's beer that was uh-huh. uh, that was overflowing. Um, yeah, so um, I have to say, I, I I thought that there would be a lot of problems, and maybe there were in other areas. But uh, you know, for our perspective, we got in fairly easily. It was a little bit of a delay getting through the the you know the metal detectors, and I think they probably have to do a little bit better job of of getting people to flow through that um, a little quicker, but it wasn't it wasn't like horrible or anything. It just was a it was a bit of a pain. It was just like kind of come on, we want to get in already, you know, kind of thing. And and um, you know, yeah, but, I thought you know, that we, everything worked. I thought everything went off pretty well. And, and we talked about the the possibility of that last week. Um, mm-hmm. We knew that yeah. you know that there was 
probably going to be a little bit slower. It's going to be the delays. I mean, it's the first time that everybody's doing it, not just the staff, but of course all the fans coming in. So, mm-hmm. I mean, and then you've, you've also got, I mean, from a, a fan perspective, you want to get in there. So you're going to be impatient. And so <laughs> what might actually be a reasonable amount of time might feel unreasonable because mm-hmm. you're just wanting to get in there. So, um, you know, it sounds like, you know, from what you're saying that it, it you know, overall it went well. Um, I can tell you from the, uh, the seat on my couch that, uh, the stadium was absolutely beautiful. And I had, I had friends over Nice. and, um, and just as we're watching, you know, the start of everything, we're all, we were all just marveling at how great it looked. The, like you said, with the, the roof keeping, you know, obviously keeping the noise in, um, did the it seem out- loud on the on the television? Did it, it seem did. like the crowd was loud? Yeah. No, it absolutely did. Um, you could definitely tell a difference. Like it, I, I even remember thinking at one point, I'm like, I bet the commentators are having to up the voice a little bit, or they got the mics turned up a little bit with the sound deadening going <laughs> on. And so yeah, we uh, we we definitely noticed that. And then the wall. I mean, it just you're. We were amazed, and, I, and it can't even be close to what you were experiencing being on the wall. But just looking at it, we were. We're, we were on. We were in all. I mean, we couldn't stop commenting on it for you know the first three minutes, you know, before the game started. Well, it's it's terraced very nicely because you know the stairs weren't overly steep. It didn't seem like it, it didn't seem overly, um, you know, I guess tiring getting up there. It wasn't like <laughs> it wasn't like because um, you're not really that high. I, I think maybe what it's the same height is maybe a three-story building at the at the highest point or something like that but you know that like i said the stairs were just normal stairs you just walked up right. them and and you know it was terraced very well so that a short guy like me wasn't trying to see over the guy in front of him i could see over everybody just fine and and i'm sure the people in front of me were much taller than me and we went up about halfway right behind the goal at first and then uh, we we plopped in into this empty hole and this guy says hey oh, I'm saving these uh, for for my buddies and it was like you're saving seats in a seatless section is that what you're doing is that what's going on here <laughs> and um so Andrew was like oh I don't care I'll just stand here I don't care you can't save seats and I was like nah let's just go, let's go up higher so I talked him into going up higher about a couple, just like two rows from the top and um it was just a it was just an amazing view. As soon as we got up there, I knew it was the right place to be because you could see everything perfectly. You had a great view. It was like, oh, we're going to see the play develop. We're going to see who's open before the guy with the ball does. We're going to see how, you know, people are going to make their runs and that kind of thing, where the danger is and all that. And it, and they were. They were great seats. Uh, not seats, but there was a, it was a great spot to watch the game from. And you didn't feel like you were, you know, get, having vertigo because you were up high or anything or if right. it, because it was steep. It was it it was just really a great view. It was kind of like, you know, like it, it, obviously it was made for that. It was like the people that make scenic overlooks are the kind of people that were in charge of, of figuring okay. out, you know, kind of how you how you you know, how deep the scaffolding needs to be or the, the, the terracing needs to be. And, you know, I took a picture of, of the standing room of, you know, because they have like little lines on each side. This is your area right here. And, you know, I, I spread my feet out a little bit so you could see the number in between my feet. But it was, it, you know, I think if everybody was packed in there, it would, you know, I thought, man, this is going to feel a little bit cramped and crowded. But it didn't. It, you had plenty of room. And and I know that there were people probably crowded in lower. Um, right. Because at the top where we were, there were there were some a few gaps. And I know the place was sold out. So I think people were just kind of. Oh, I want to stand with you, and we're down here, so everybody just cram in because it did look a little bit more cramped down lower. So I don't think everybody kind of spread out and took one spot like they, you know, I guess had envisioned. But it worked, and everybody got in and out. It didn't seem like there were any problems. I didn't notice any, you know, pushing and shoving or anything. Everybody's had a real good time, and and um, you know, of course, uh, the I, you know, I said this in the, in my story, but. It, you could kind of tell that there was a, the drum line was down there, mm-hmm. but you but you more felt him than you heard it. You didn't really hear it in your ears because the place was just really loud, and you just kind of felt it, kind of felt the vibration, you know. I've, I've yeah, I've been in that type of atmosphere, not uh, at, in a different venue, but I, I know exactly where you're talking and what you're talking about. Where it's it's so loud. Uh, I've been at a, a 
a game once where it was so loud that I was yelling so loud that I couldn't hear anything. Like, <laughs> like the sound of my voice and the sound that was coming at me like zeroed out in my eardrums and it mm-hmm. just, everything just went blank. It was so loud. So, um, and I'm looking at the picture of uh, you're talking about of the spacing, mm-hmm. um, and it doesn't in the picture really doesn't look like a lot of space. But you know, from what you're saying, it's it's plenty. What I also notice in that picture is I can see where the beer spilt. <laughs> Actually, I I think that probably happened before the beer spilt. I took that pretty early on when we got up oh, there. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was it was a it was a. Here was the cool thing was that. I mean, Andrew and I could talk to each other if we yelled like right in each other. It's kind of like being at a rock concert. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I would say that yes, my you know my ears were not ringing like after a really loud rock concert, but you could tell that you know my eardrums were vibrating. Like when I was driving home, I could tell it's like okay, yeah, there, it's not like a like a really. Uh, you know, it's not like I just saw the Scorpions or something, but it was, <laughs> or, or ACDC, but it's, it's still, it's still, you can tell that I was in a place that was really loud, um, just a short time ago because it was, it was, there was that feeling in your, you know, the, the oh, my eardrums are still kind of shaking a little bit in there, but it right. was, it was a, it was a good event. And, um, you know, we can get into the game a little bit more now, now that we've, uh, we've talked well, about the, the new purple palace that the, uh. Well, I want to make one more note about the Purple Palace. Okay. Um, the thing that the other thing that we noticed looking at it on TV was when you would get a certain camera view of an end line or a sideline, how close the stands are to the field, mm-hmm. and just the the obviously creating an intimacy uh, for the fans, but also that immediacy for the players and the opposing players. It was you know I, I mean saying it again but the atmosphere must have been incredible and that had to be a huge um contribution to that just that how everything is it it had to be not closed in in a bad way but just like i say intimate um for both the fans and the players yeah you're you're right on top of the pitch basically there's there's not a lot of room the i was checking it out the other night for the at the kids versus pros game and uh, looking where the photographers would be, and the photographers are all very cramped in a, in a very tight space. Um, there's only a few yards between the, the, the touch line and the stands on each each side. Uh, I mean, you saw it when, when Kyle Lahren scored. He didn't have to run far to be right by the fans. I mean, he was just step off the field, and you're right, almost touching them. And exactly. uh, it, it was, it, it was um, it, you know, it, it's got to be an intimidating atmosphere. I, I mean, it, and it seemed like it to me that, that New York had a lot of flubs with the last ball because um, it, it, we felt like we were affecting the game. We felt like the noise and the and the atmosphere was affecting the game. And I don't know if if it was because you know you can never tell these things. You know how focused is a is a professional athlete at any given moment? Does he is he even aware of this stuff that's going on? But sure, um, you know because uh, <laughs> you, you know if you see if you see a major league baseball player on the road in a World Series game. Those guys can still hit home runs when the crowd is just going absolutely bananas. So it, it's hard to say, but it felt like we were affecting the game, and it's it certainly the result was what we wanted. Is I never felt really like New York was going to score in that game. I always felt like Orlando City kind of had it handled, and um, I was actually surprised at how many shots that they got on, not only shot attempts they had, but shots on goal. Mm-hmm. When I got home and looked at the box scores, I was like, really? I remember like two or three decent chances that they had, but I didn't remember all of those. And it se- so it seemed like most of them were kind of maybe from angles or distance because it seemed like Bendik was comfortable most of the game. But uh, he, yeah, had a, he had a couple two or of, three. Yeah. yeah, he had like two or three. He was up for save of the week. Um, he had one on Harrison. Um, he had one on uh, Ring in the first mm-hmm. half, and I think there was one from Acoli that looked like. When we were there and you looked live, it looked, oh, man, that was close. But when you got home and you looked at it on, on the replay, you went, eh, it wasn't really that that tough of a save. you know? Right. Uh, but, you know, we never felt like New York would score. We just didn't. And and I can't remember ever having that, that feeling about an Orlando City team, even when they were in the USL. Yeah, that's that's new. That's uh, uh, um, I hope that that keeps up because that, that did – felt really good going wow the defense is solid it really uh, was it was yeah. the, it, it was 
I mean, for for it being the first real competitive game for the Jose Aja, Jonathan Spector um, center back pairing, um, they just did an amazing job, and the, and the fullbacks did as well. And, I mean, we're into it now. So, I mean, this is basically the recap uh, portion of our show. Yes. But Orlando Great City segue. Wins, Orlando City wins 1-0, but I think – you know, Jason Christ surprised everybody. We all thought that PC would start on the left fullback and and that Toya would start on the right fullback because PC was was I mean by a lot of people's accounts was winning that battle for left back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think when it came down to it, I think Jason Christ looked at who he was playing and said, "This is a very potent offensive team. I want my best defender on the field uh, at left back, so I'm going to put Toya back out there and I'm going to put Will Johnson at right back." And Will Johnson, very uh, obviously a very effective defensive player, but none of us expected him to play right back. And yeah. he did a damn fine job. He was he was all and he was up and down the field a bit, too. Uh, and yet um, so there may have been some times where he wasn't in an ideal position, you know, for being a defender. But mm-hmm. nothing. I mean, they they went at him in the second half. They really did. And, he, you know, he never broke, you know, I mean, it's so, uh, you know, of course, you know, the center uh, was AHA and Spectre were doing an incredible job in the center. So, I mean, that that, of course, is going to make, um, you know, the outside guy's job easier. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, you know, Johnson showed why bringing him in was an excellent idea just to I mean, Coach Christ said it himself because he put in a, a Will Johnson, you know, performance, mm-hmm. meaning that, hey, this is, you know, you can expect this type of thing from this player. And he delivered it. He really did. And, and you know, he came out with that and with him moving back there. That opened up a hole for Servando Carrasco to play. So you had Carrasco and Nocherino playing and along with uh, Kaká starting and and uh, Matias Perez Garcia. And then Kyle Lahren up top with Riva. So most of the lineup was about what we expected. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, um, Kaká gets uh, hurt just in the eight, eighth minute, I think it was, and, and gets pulled off a couple of minutes later. And uh, he's going to be out for six weeks. We'll talk a little bit more about his injury later. But it, it really seemed to... If, it, there was a good couple of minutes there where I think that the, the, the crowd was a bit deflated. Yeah. And Giles Barnes came on and, you know, then, of course, shortly thereafter, they, you know, he, he just sends in – he takes the ball from Rivas one time, a, just a perfect back post cross, and uh, Laren gets up and puts it in, and the place went bananas, and I, I couldn't hear a thing. It was just <laughs> – it was just white noise raining down and it was just you know hugs and high fives all around and you know strangers and and uh, friends alike and and it was just complete uh you know bedlam really it was just an unbelievable experience to be there for that first goal and for the place to just erupt like that as, as orlando city took the lead and you know, the, it wasn't quite bedlam here at the house, but there were high fives and there was a lot of yelling uh, when that happened. And uh, you're right that Barnes's cross was, and of course, you know, having the benefit of replay, you know, watching it at home, I got to see it a couple times, you know, right, right then and there. And it, you're right, it was, it was perfect. Um, one touch, back post, and you know, Kyle, you know, being as tall as he is, just. Gets up, puts the head down, puts it in, mm-hmm. and uh, it was absolutely beautiful. And it, fortunately, it turned out to be all that we needed. Yeah, it was – after the goal, it seemed like the team sort of sagged a bit. It, 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 the defensive midfielders sagged back toward the defense. And, yep. um, you know, there wasn't much help whenever the ball came forward for Barnes or MPG or Rivas. There really wasn't a lot of help. But even with that, Kyle Lahren should have scored a second goal. Yes. He, he had a golden chance, and instead of trying to beat Sean Johnson, um, he decided he wanted to try to put on the brakes, cut back behind the defender, and get a better angle. And when he did that, he flubbed his lines a little bit. The ball, you know, hit the hit the defender's leg, and and the chance went, you know, without a shot even. Um, Rivas had a couple of chances that he couldn't quite put on target, but at least he wasn't hitting us in the face up in the top of the deck. So he's getting closer. <laughs> That's um, right. He's, he's dialing it in, dialing it in. Yeah. So, you know, in by fact, mid-season. He, had one, uh, he, he had one that would have been on target, but it was deflected just wide for uh, a corner kick, which I believe was Orlando City's only corner kick of the entire game. 
Um, but we were getting a little concerned. The defending was going well. They were, they always seemed to be mostly in control. I think there was the one, the one time in the first half, Spectre got caught uh, mm-hmm. by Alexander Ring, uh, getting in and, and putting in a decent shot that Bendick made a great save on. And there was the one uh, deflected ball that came out to Harrison, and and he made a save on. But mostly, the the center backs were very well shielded by the defensive midfielders and the fullbacks. So it seemed like there was a pretty good wall around uh, around Joe Bendick most of the night. The problem was whenever they'd get forward again, the guys weren't guys weren't keeping the ball. They were just trying these crazy passes and they would yeah. mit- and then it was then all of a sudden it was intercepted and coming back was, the other way. It was breaking down the midfield every time so every time the ball would go forward, uh, it would break down the midfield. Um, the only chances that they had after that were long balls, and you know, uh, those are not necessarily you know your best opportunities. You know, it's always better to work it, work it forward. So, um, but you're right. The uh, the defense is solid, and, and funny enough, uh, when we talked last week, uh, both of our one of our keys to the game was the back line being solid and yep. look at that. I mean, they were, and, and we got the win. So, uh, uh, obviously great job by them, but you know, also a good job by us by pointing that out. That's right. We, we, <laughs> we did it. Well, um, all right. Go us. Yeah. I mean, they weren't even trying to really play out of the back because I pointed this out in the stands. I, I pointed out to Andrew. I said, look, watch when Bendick goes to take the goal kick, watch the fullbacks. Every time the fullbacks ran down the field. So Bendick had no short, options he had to go along with every every ball and i don't know if that was something they talked about but it didn't seem like didn't seem like in crisis post-game comments that he he was happy about it um and the other thing was that um you know by doing that since you send the fullbacks down now new york city doesn't have to really respect that and spread out so now they're all compact in the middle of the field and the ball's coming to them it you're just keeping it in front of them so right, that it just really made more opportunity exactly the only way you could really make that play work is if you get the 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 long ball from bendick has to find the head at the exact right time of the friendly player with the exact right run being made at the the timing of that has to be just perfect and it wasn't perfect it wasn't no. even close to perfect a lot of those times. In fact, the last couple of ones that Bendix sent forward ended up with a goalie getting shots on goal. So yeah. uh, with just a uh, – Via had a ridiculous backheel flick that went behind, uh, I think it was Johnson, and um, and onto, onto a goalie. But uh, that was an amazing play, but Bendix was, was there to make the save. And it was just – the, the good thing was to me is, you know, you just – You'd look up every once in a while. You'd look up at the clock and go, oh, okay, there's 10 minutes left. Okay, there's five minutes left. But you know, I never felt worried. I really never thought – I thought it would take some kind of weird fluke for them to, to actually put one in the net. And that's not to say that that couldn't happen, and I was certainly worried that it, some fluky thing could happen. But I really didn't think that they were going to score. Well, I know I kept looking at the clock also, and um, sitting on the couch and, and, like you know, I guess different perspective – I. I'm seeing the time of possession and just seeing those balls in the midfield go away all the time and uh, the seeing the amount of shots and, and of course having that different, you know, field of view from the television mm-hmm. and, and then, you know, uh, just post-traumatic stress from <laughs> previous, you know, times where we would have lost that game. Like, you know, uh, coach said, uh, you know, I was probably a little bit more worried than you were, but at the same time, um, they kept they kept clearing it out. They kept taking care of the ball, and mm-hmm. and then you had the odd times when it would get through. You know, Joe Bendick, who has been nothing but spectacular for this team since he got here, uh, came up time and again. You know, when he needed to, and some of those were, I mean, at least two of those three saves were really excellent saves, which is why he's up for save of the week. But um, I mean, I remember you know that that first one. I think that's ring. Uh, just to to the timing to get out on the ball, uh, you know, he timed it perfectly, placed himself perfectly, got his hands up, and you know, it was and that was the first one. And I was like, okay, good. So Joe's still good. That's good. The back line's better. Okay, I'm feeling pretty good about this. And uh, fortunately, they uh, they proved us right. And um, I, I'm absolutely ecstatic with how the. Uh, the defense played. Um, they obviously did everything they needed to do for us to, you know, win the match. And um, I hope it's 
the the norm going forward. Um, I, I think it will be. I, as a matter of fact, I think that with time, you know, and communication will get better. And if they're already playing like that, and you know, a couple of them have only been there a couple of weeks, well, excellent. Yeah, let's see. let's get them a, a little bit more, a little a few more reps. I think obviously now they're on tape. It's going to be you know different from week to week to, to see what teams do to try to attack them. And you know who knows if Johnson will stay at right back or, or if uh, Toya will go to right side and and PC will play it, or or if this Scott Sutter that they the recent signing comes in and is able to play right back. Um, you know that remains to be seen. But we don't know what we're going to get going forward. Certainly, it would be nice to get Will Johnson into the midfield. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and obviously to get uh, Barnes a little bit more uh, work with his teammates. And um, it was it was definitely not good to see the captain go down early. Uh, we're going to be without him for at least six weeks, and that's at least five games. Um, hopefully the team can, can tread some water and, and get some points without him, and uh, we'll see what, what happens. But the, the great thing really for me was that to see how many times Donnie Toya and Will Johnson – they couldn't flank them. They had to go back. They had to turn back up toward the top of the box time and time again. And right. I think Toya only had, I think Toya had one kind of bad turnover where he tried to make a play and, and ended up getting the ball taken off his foot. But I think other than that, Toya was so, so solid for me. I mean, he was, he was certainly one of the top three players on the field for me. Um, certainly Bendik was good. Um, I thought aha and, and Spectre were both fantastic. Yep. Uh, Johnson was good. Um, you know, some people were saying, well, you know, they didn't think much of the defensive midfielders, but, you know, they both had very good, uh, good passing percentage. They, you know, yeah, everything was safe, but you didn't notice them, which is always good for a defensive midfielder. If you don't notice, (laughs) if you don't notice your defensive mids, they're doing a damn good job. Exactly. Um, But, and, and Laren and Rivas certainly had some chances to, to maybe put that, that insurance goal in the net, but couldn't quite get it done. And, um, hopefully the offense will, will pick it up some. That's um, going to be tougher, and that brings us to our next topic, which is Kaká, uh, hamstring um, injury to his left hamstring. Um, the spokesman from Orlando City it was a grade one to two, which you know people say, well, which is it? It's either a grade one or grade two, but you know it's either a mild grade two or a severe grade one. You know it's it's it is what yeah. it is. We're trying I to. Mean- we're just passing along the information we have. Right. When you order a steak, you can get it a lot of different ways. You, you can have medium, you can have well, you can have medium well. Well, guess what? You can have a one, you can have a two, you can have a one to dash two. I mean, mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, for I, – I, I don't know what people who are trying to be that exact problem is, but yeah, of, yeah. of course. And I'm, I'm not sure it, that, you know, for all we know, they got – two opinions and maybe one was a grade one, one was a grade two. So maybe that's how they're, uh, they're presenting be. it. So, um, but anyway, the captain's out and that's not a position of strength with the, with the, uh, attacking midfield. In fact, I was maybe my biggest surprise with the team sheet was seeing Richie Larea address for the 18. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was like, mm, well, good for the kid, you know? Um, right. so Larea dressed and he, <laughs> he, um, didn't get in the game. Haji Berry got in the game. Uh, obviously Barnes and uh, Chris Nigita was again. He was a surprise because he was supposed to be out uh, six weeks with the adductor strain, and he I think was only out about three or three and a half. Yeah. Um, so good to see Christian get back out there. Didn't get a yellow card, as, uh, <laughs> as Gavin pointed out, uh, which is always a plus, and uh, he got a run out. Now Gavin also pointed out that he was like a minus thirty something on the Audi player index, which. Um, like he played ten minutes. The Audi player index is not a real thing. Why are we still talking about this thing? I've never liked it. It's first of all, if you can, if you cannot easily explain the formula to somebody, it's not a real thing. <laughs> exactly. It's just, just not. If you, can, you know, what does the Audi index mean? I mean, I think I was watching the Portland game and they had, um, I think it was Nagby or Audi at the halftime was just had a miserable score. Um, and they were winning, so yeah, uh, I don't know. It, well, I, Audi, don't know. Audi is Audi is a German <laughs> company, and this guy who sells cars, I can tell you that German cars are very complicated. So it's no surprise <laughs> that the Audi player index is going to be complicated. It's just yeah. how they do things. All right. Well, I, I don't I don't believe I don't buy it as a real thing. That's like it's like that QBR that they tried to come up with, or the ESPN quarterback rating. Yeah. Uh, that came out a few years ago. It was like it's not a real thing. Let's not use it. Let's never speak of it again. <laughs> um, but yeah, so. 
Orlando City used all its subs. Uh, Kyle Aaron with some cramping. Um, and uh, MPG with some cramping, which was, again, I heard some fans grumbling about that. Oh, why, we, you know, we got to get new trainers. There's obviously something wrong. It's like, everybody cramps early in the season. I know there's a guy for Atlanta that kind of limped off, but after the game he was fine. He was cramping. Um, you know, it's, it's a common thing early in the year when everybody's not quite at their peak of fitness yet. And also... They've been playing, you know, like three, three, four preseason games in a, just a few weeks' time. It's like you, you just your body needs time to heal and 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 to become fully fit. So, um, it's I'm the not first match. About, yeah, I'm not worried about the cramping. It, that's gonna go away as as the season goes on. So, absolutely. Um, as we get deeper into the season, we will see we will see cramping from our opponents when they come down to play in the 90 degree, 98 degree heat with the 99 percent humidity and um, I'm not concerned about it, but one thing I did want to point out is that the, you know, the other thing is we've, we've had some muscle injuries, some soft tissue injuries. Well, mm-hmm. we've changed training staffs, so it's not like these are the same people and we got to make a change. They made a change. Um, it's just, sometimes it's just bad luck. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, granted Kaka is, uh, is going to be 35 years old. So he's, you know, you're, you're going to get some muscle pulls, some aches, some pains, that kind of thing from him, you know, and, but when you see young guys like Rafael Ramos and, and Christian Aguita having muscle issues, it, it happens to everybody. And this is the, this is the time of year. It usually does happen this is right at the beginning. So, um, it's unfortunate we'll be without Kaká, but hopefully they'll be able to step up. And, and I mean, I would imagine that, um, Barnes and, and MPG will be the attacking midfielders if they stick with a four, four, two. Well, and, and like we were talking about, wanting to get Johnson up into the midfield. So if we do that, if MPG and, and Barnes are, are the attacking midfielders, it allows Johnson to come up, you know, be a defensive midfielder. And then we, you know, move Toya and bring in uh, PC. And, you know, maybe that's because of uh, the captain going down. Maybe that's how that all shifts around. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's been talk of, you know, MPG, you know, playing the 10 spot. And, uh, it, you know, I... He's he's shown times where he seems to be brilliant on the ball, and other times where he seems to be invisible. Hopefully, uh, the opportunity to you know make that difference will make a difference for him, and um, you know we'll see him step up to the plate. Um, I think Barnes came on and did everything and more that we could ask for for a guy coming off with almost no notice. I mean, you know, nobody's expecting uh, Kaká to go down that quick. Or come off that quick, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. Barnes was sitting over on the sideline with his, you know, not his jacket on, but you know, the the familiar look of the the soccer player with his jacket on on the sideline, just kind of chilling out. Well, that's what he was doing, and then all of a sudden, it was like, oh, hey, guess what? You got to go in. No warm up. <laughs> and uh, if you could, by the way, uh, put in a uh, perfect cross so that Kyle can score. Yeah, well, at least he did it. So that's true, he did. Um, big big time uh, moment for Giles Barnes, who really seems excited to be an Orlando City player, which is uh, it's really as a fan that makes you glad. It's like this here's somebody who really wants to be here, yep, and um, makes no bones about it. Uh, so Kaká's hamstring went uh, kablooey. Hopefully he'll heal quickly and maybe make it you know closer to five and a half weeks than seven. Um, but we'll see how it goes. And in the meantime. You know, Orlando City will have to just rely on the next man up. So um, we'll see what the plan is. Again, maybe Scott Sutter can come in and play right back and push Will Johnson up. Because even though Will Johnson's a defensive midfielder, he's the kind of guy who excels at linking the back line with the attacking players. And that's exactly what was missing against New York City. So with, with Will back where he was, he wasn't able to fulfill his normal his normal role of, of facilitating and, and moving that ball. And I think I, I'm really kind of excited to see him in that role next to Nocherino because I think the two of those together will really be able to link those those uh, defenders up with the with the front line. And I'm I'm anxious to see what kind of, um, you know, runs that get unleashed and, you know, have these guys run right onto passes. And and uh, and then next thing you know, it's it's Rivas or, or Laren in alone on goal. So. Well, given the good passing percentages that, you know, most of the team had uh, in the game, and then, you know, we talked about the you know, improvements on the defensive line. If, you know, Johnson and Nocherino were up there, if, you know, so we talked about moving it up the field, working it up the field. Mm-hmm. I'm in complete agreement with you. So if, if, you know, we've got the back line set and then, 
Johnson and her trainer are able to, you know, push it up. Then, you know, MBG feeds it in. I, it sounds like a winning formula. Hopefully that that's either we're right and it, you know, and everybody else is it's going to be obvious to everybody that that would be the way to do it, including our opposition. And hopefully it's just so good that they can't stop it. Yeah, exactly. So um, before we, uh, you know, we we're going to get to our, our, uh, you know, our, 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 we're going to lead in later to talking about the New England match coming up on Saturday. Uh, the Revolution lost in their opener, uh, but they'll be at home and uh, they'll be a little bit desperate. So it'll be an interesting matchup. Orlando City hasn't won in New England. They've drawn several times and they lost there. Um, but we'll we'll get to that in a little bit. We're also going to talk a little bit about the Orlando Pride with our special guest coming up. Before we get that, we haven't talked about our man of the match for Sunday. So, uh, who was your man of the match against New York City? Um, you know, as I was sitting there watching the game, my man of the match was uh, was Joey B because just um, when when you're looking at it on TV, the saves look spectacular. Um, with little distance, um, I it's a tie for me, him and Spectre, just because Spectre coming in and making his presence felt. Um, you know, and seemingly being, you know, pretty dominating in that, mm-hmm. in that center uh, back position. So uh, my initial thought was uh, Bendik and of course he's up for save of the week. So I'm not completely off base on that. And then, you know, like I said, with a little bit of time, you know, throwing Spectre in there, if I was going to be honest, it would just be the defense. Yeah. And uh, you know, so Dave's going with a cop out and having men of the match <laughs> uh, for, for week one, that's, that doesn't bode well for the rest of the season. No, um, it's it's Joe Bendick. That's who I. As a matter of fact, I mean, you can go back and look into our discussions on uh, on Slack, and and uh, I said he was my man of the match. All right, that sounds fair enough. Um, so let's see. Uh, I would say that. Uh, oh, by the way, Joe Bendick um, and Jonathan Spector both made the MLS team of the week, so they uh, are in agreement that it was a good good weekend for them. Kyle Aaron made the bench for team of the week. Uh, and also the uh, front row soccer named Joe Bendick their MLS player of the week for week one. So uh, a lot of people uh, loving Joe Bendick, and of course we do as well. Um, I am going to go with uh, I am going to go with Specter for one reason. Number one, I thought that just for him playing his first MLS game, yes, he's got experience in England. But, you know, every league is different. Every league has its quirks and, mm-hmm. you know, hasn't has only been with his teammates, you know, for a matter of weeks. He came out and really put in a, 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 a tremendous effort. Not only not only was he good, you know, he wasn't perfect. He put a few feet wrong a couple of times, uh, did get beat by ring on the one I mentioned earlier. Uh, but I thought overall, not only was he solid, I thought he really directed his teammates well i thought his leadership was amazing i i I think that that might have been jose aha's best game as a lion and i i attribute that to working with jonathan specter and i also think that specter did a great job of of you know there were a few times when you know guys got forward and there were uh you know getting ready to have a set piece or something and specter didn't back down from anybody i mean there were right oh when New York City players were all over him, and he's like, you know, he was like, he took charge, and he was, he stood up and and battled for his teammates, and and really led by example. And I, I think for me, that's why he's my man of the match, not just, you know, for overall performance. I think that he made other people better, uh, kept them calm, kept them together, directed them where they needed to be, and just was that he provided the leadership that, you know, Jason Christ mentioned it in his post game press conference. Last year's team probably would have found a way to lose that game and right. drop at least two points, if not all of them. And and Spectre wasn't going to let that happen. And and again, I think he's partly the reason why I felt like, you know, I didn't just didn't see New York scoring unless something something went crazy and broke down weird, you know, some kind of fluke play. Um, you know, well, some kind of ricochet that got behind somebody just as Via was running or something. You know, right. I just didn't see it happening and. And I and I attribute that to Jonathan Specter. So he's my man of the match. Well, and and I remember him getting into that shoving. Match. I don't even remember who it was because I was uh, I was just too in awe of the <laughs> the repay. But uh, him him getting in a shoving match with somebody and uh, and uh, I think Jose having come in there and you know kind of break it up a little bit. But uh, uh, which you know 
so, you know, nobody got a, nobody got a, a, a penalty, no, a, you know, nothing happened for it. So I was like, okay, great way to stand up to him. <laughs> yeah. So it was funny. There's a, there's a picture of, uh, I think it's aha getting hugged by little Ronald Matarita, um, that uh, Nick Leva took in our photo gallery. So if you go in our photo gallery, there's a few pictures of that little uh, scuffle. Um, and you can, you can check that out. So go to the mainland.com and look for our, uh, for our photo gallery in New York city. Uh, Orlando City versus New York City FC photo gallery, which um, Nick got some great shots on Sunday. So, yeah, happy about that. Um, let's turn our attention to another team that's going to be playing in Orlando City Stadium this year. Uh, they are going to break their preseason camp uh, on Monday. That's the Orlando Pride. We're going to have a, a special guest coming up. I was fortunate, fortunate enough to talk to Pride forward Sarah Hagen from Appleton, Wisconsin. She... Uh, of course, was a member of the uh, inaugural Orlando Pride. She's, a matter of fact, one of the first players introduced to Orlando, along with Kaylin Kyle and Alex Morgan. Um, but I was fortunate enough to talk to Sarah Hagen, and I want to uh, thank Jackie Maynard for uh, from Orlando City for setting that up for me. And um, so here is our uh, interview with Sarah Hagen coming up right after this. All right, joining us this week on the Mainland Podcast, very happy to have with us from the Orlando Pride, Sarah Hagen. Sarah, thanks for being on the Mainland Podcast with us. Thank you for having me. Look, I, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna delay. I have to know what your thoughts are because uh, I, I, I definitely have my own thoughts on this situation. But you know, tell me your personal view of Orlando City Stadium because that's where you guys are going to be playing your games this year. Oh man, it it was pretty awesome. I was there for the the men's home opener and just to see uh, the community in Orlando um, really respond to having a new brand new stadium in the in the area was amazing. Um, the you know comparing it to playing at the Citrus Bowl or the or Camping World Stadium, um, it it's really no comparison at all. Um, the the environment there is just so much more intimate. Um, you just, you can, you can just sense the, the feel, um, the energy that the players are, are getting on the field. And so, um, to see, you know, the men's team get their first win there and all the hype that's been going on. I, I mean, I think I'm not the only one on our team that's excited for a season to start. Now you got to, uh, to try out the pitch a little bit against one of the toughest opponents of your career in the kids versus pros game the other night. Um, what was that experience mm-hmm. like for you? Oh, that was a blast. Um, and, and again, you know, being, stepping onto that pitch for the first time was, was exciting and to, you know, step on it with some of the men's players and, you know, speeding up was, um, was a privilege, but, um, yeah, playing against the, the, the kids was a great time and, um, just seeing their faces, how, you know, excited and you get to see that, you know, they really looked up to each and every one of us and, um, for them to be able to compete against professional athletes. Um, I know if, you know, I was in their position, I would, would have been thrilled. And, um, I, I think overall it was just, it was a great experience, um, seeing everyone, you know, with smiles on their faces and, um, to be able to do that for the community was, was great. Now we're just days away from uh, from preseason training opening for the NWSL. Um, I know that this is a time of year when everybody's getting very, very excited about the 2017 season, and and uh, I'm sure it's no different for you. But how have you gone about um, preparing this off season? Did you do anything different? What did you focus on? Um, yeah. So I mean, the season coming up, we start on uh, the 13th. So. Um, a lot of um, um, just very anxious for it to start. I think you know the the off season for the NWSL is is quite long. Um, mm-hmm. You know, some of us our last practice was you know in October, so it's been you know quite a long off season. Uh, I've made sure to you know get home back in Wisconsin to, to see my family, spend time with them during the holidays, um, but then. Uh, Come January 1st, I, I moved back to Orlando and started training outside. And there's really no comparison for me to 
you know, um, to be, you know, wanting to train outside versus inside on turf. So mm-hmm. I got back here, you know, uh, as soon as I could and have been working hard to make sure I'm prepared for our first practice. Now, one of the things that, you know, I, that I've always wondered about is, you know, these the, the individual meetings that you have with the coach at the end of the season. And, and I'm sure you met with Tom Sermani. Mm-hmm. What, what did Tom tell you at the end of the 2016 season um, going into the off season? Um, yeah, I met with, you know, our, our coaching staff at the end of our last season. And, um, you know, they gave me feedback as far as, you know, my strengths and weaknesses and um, basically just analyze, you know, the minutes that I had played in, the, you know, for games and also just, you know, what they've seen in practice. And, um, you know, I try to, you know, we, we get a, a game, kind of a, a, a plan for our off-season workouts and what to improve on. So, um, you know, for me, it's it's a, it's a little different. Um, you know, coming back to the U.S. after playing in Germany, I haven't had as much game time. So um, I, I think just making sure that I come in prepared and, you know, fit, and then hopefully getting that game time fitness um, is really what I need um, the most. Now, the NWSL season, they, they've extended it a little bit this year. Um, last year, you guys played everybody twice except Houston. And this year, you're going to get to see some of those teams more than twice, uh, quite a, you know, a few of those mm-hmm. teams more than twice. Um, what do you think of the extension of the season? How, how, how will it change you guys as um, sort of your preparation to, to face a team that many times? And, and, and uh, you know, just tell me some of your thoughts on, on the, the added games for you. Um, I think it's great. I think it's great for our league. Um, you know, comparing it to when I played over in Germany, um, we, you know, we had our season, we may not have had more games, but our season, you know, we were training longer. It, it felt more of like a, a full-time job. I think I only had seven weeks out of the whole entire year where I wasn't, you know, with the team. So I think um, adding those games in and, you know, really trying to, promote the game, um, you know, around the, the country, I think will be will great for our, for our sport. Um, and then, yeah, playing, you know, some of the teams, you know, three times this, this next season um, will give us, you know, it's kind of like that rubber match, you know, if you, if you, uh, you know, win one, lose one, it's kind of like seeing who's, you know, actually the better team. So mm-hmm. um, I, I think it'll be, it'll be a lot of fun to, to not really just rest on those two games and hopefully, um, you know, kind of get after it. Well, we're anxiously waiting for the entire um, schedule to come out for for Lifetime, but you guys get to actually be on the first national game of the week on Lifetime. That's got to be very exciting uh, for for you as a player and, and for everyone in the league to, to know that you have a national TV deal and that every week your league is going to be showcased on, on national television across the country. Yeah, that's, I mean, when I heard about that, I, you know, my mouth like kind of dropped and um, I was super excited to hear um, just, you know, that our game is growing and that people are, you know, sponsors are showing more interest in it. And, you know, that's, it just takes, you know, that one company or one sponsor to really um, show that they care about what we do for our, for our living. And um, yeah, to be on the first, you know, uh, game that showed on their program, um, it's it's going to be. I mean, it, it's historic. So it, I'm excited, and you know, hopefully, we can put on a good performance so that people want to continue to watch it. Now, uh, you you talked about you know the the sponsors showing some interest, things like that. But for the NWSL, there's there's been a little bit of of um, I wouldn't say negative press, but I, I, obviously it's been in the news this season with some of the very prominent U.S. players going to play in Europe. And some of them are, are mm-hmm. coming back and some of them are not, including, you know, your, your teammate Alex Morgan playing in France and she will miss some of the season. Now, that's it's got to, I think, as a player, that's got to give you sort of mixed, uh, you sort of have mixed emotions about that because this is a teammate that's going to be missing for, for some significant games. But at the same time, as a professional athlete, you can't really um, knock a player for, for wanting to play, you know, and get paid and, and, and um you know, play against some of the world's best players. So it's it's got to be a little bit of a mixed bag for you. Yeah, I mean, I understand both sides. Um, you know, obviously, you know, as a league, you want your, your best 
players in your country to be playing in your league. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, like I said, I've played over in Germany. I've done the overseas thing. Um, so from that experience, I can tell you that, it, you know, playing in a different country and playing um, and live, just living in a different um, culture is, I mean, a an experience that I'll never forget. And I think some of those players, you know, you know, and also playing with those players, you know, I learned so much from my teammates playing over in Germany, you know, cause I had teammates from, you know, Italy and Sweden, Norway, um, Austria. So, I mean, just all, you get a different sense of what they've learned in their countries. Um, and so, you know, I, you can't hate her knock on someone who, um, like like Alex Morgan or Crystal Dunn or whoever's gone over um, and has decided to play overseas. Um, I mean, yeah, I think, you know, obviously there's some fans who, you know, are not going to agree with that and want, want to watch them play. But I think as, you know, each individual looks at what, you know, they need in their career, I think I think it's a great opportunity for those players. Yeah, and, and hopefully think, it gives some other players, um, you know, in the league a chance to shine. So. Yeah, and and I think a lot of fans also forget that there's, you know, that the the women's uh, p- professional athletes are not are not pulling in, you know, the dollars that the men are at this point, and and also they have, you know, you have as as professional athletes you have a very limited shelf life in terms of your your playing career, so you have to to do what you can to maximize that. Yes, correct. I mean, we, you know, we know, um, you know, that our, our, I mean, our salaries aren't very comparable, but, um, you know, our, our sport for the women's side is also growing. And so we understand that, um, you, I mean, you can't just have everything all at once, but it's a process and, you know, hopefully it, it gets, gets better. Sarah, what excites you about the 2017 Orlando Pride in terms of, you know, where is this team headed? Uh, obviously there was some big, uh, you know, a couple of big teammates uh, re-signed just today, officially Steph Catley and Jamia Fields. Um, you know, talk a little bit about what you expect from this team in 2017. Um, hopefully we um, start getting more of an identity as a team. Um, you know, I think for any team that's an expansion team, you kind of come in and, you know, you're hoping to make an impact on the, in the league and be able to, you know, um, you know, make a run for it, you know, have a good solid first season, but um, it, it's also very chaotic and everything's new. People, you know, you're, all your players are just thrown together um, along with the coaching staff and, you know, they don't know how players respond or where to best play them. So hopefully this season, you know, we kind of start getting more of an identity as a team, a sense of style of play. Um, one thing that um, I've, really grown to love in Orlando well since day one is just the way that the community um, you know responds to our team um, and immense just the, the soccer community in Orlando it's, it's great and I think um, playing in our, in our new stadium um, is only going to make things better so um, yeah I'm, I'm excited for what's to come for 2017 and um, you know hopefully we can get some more W's this year. Yeah, and you guys are going to be a little bit closer to the defending champions because they moved from Western New York down to North Carolina. So, uh, and you'll play mm-hmm. that play them multiple times this year as well. Who, who are some of the teams that that the Pride need to get on top of to to make one of those coveted playoff spots? Um, you know, I think it's just we we can't have any games where um, we're in it, but then we lose last second or you know. Uh, a game that we feel that we should win. Um, and, and that just really, I mean, I can't really say at this point, it's too early, but, you know, as the season goes on and the table, you know, start seeing where some teams are, are placed in the table, that's when we can, you know, kind of start saying, all right, look, this is um, a game that we need three points at, or if we can, you know, get out of the stretch with, you know, a tie and a win, um, that would be great. So I think it really just depends. Um, you know, we kind of take it one game at a time. Yeah, absolutely. Sarah Hagen, I, I want to uh, say again, thank you for, for being with us on the Mainland Podcast. Before we get out of here, though, you know, obviously the team has uh, a few Australians, added another one this offseason with Alana Kennedy. 
Mm-hmm. Are you learning to speak Australian? <laughs> um, <laughs> probably not as good as uh, I would think I am, but um, I don't. I don't try to accent out too much. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sarah. Thank you so much for being with us, and, and certainly the best of luck to you and your teammates uh, on the Orlando Pride this season. All right. Thank you very much. All right, once again, we want to thank Sarah Hagen for being with us on the Mainland Podcast on episode number 76. Uh, thanks for being with us, Sarah. Thanks again to Jackie Maynard for setting up the interview. Um, and we will we will have many more interviews with, with Pride and Orlando City players throughout this 2017 season and Orlando City B. Let's not forget our USL side uh, who are uh, in the middle of their preseason. In fact, just had a couple of preseason friendlies this past weekend. Not having a lot of scoring luck, though, our, our young Lions. No. But, um, you know, we'll get that cleaned up. And I think that we'll start seeing more of uh, Danny Deacon, the, the mm-hmm. rookie player. And I think we'll see, you know, Pierre, Sil- Pierre De Silva, I think, will play at OCB much of the year. Uh, hopefully he'll get some MLS experience, too. But um, I think he'll probably be down for most of the year. We've got some new faces. And there might even be another signing or two coming before the the USL season starts. But um, anyway, again, thanks to Sarah. And uh, I really enjoyed talking to her. She was a fun interview. And, and uh, I hope that she uh, has a very successful season in 2017, along with all the pride. So, Dave, uh, before we get out of here and wrap up this uh, 76th episode of the Mainland Podcast and put a bow on it, um, we've got to talk a little bit about Saturday, 2 o'clock Eastern time at um, a football stadium. Yeah. Called uh, Gillette. Right. Yes. They still Gillette. They still call it Gillette Stadium. They call it Gillette. It's still Gillette and good old Foxborough. And uh, <laughs> I I looked up today. The uh, the high temperature is going to be 23 degrees. Wow. That's going to be fun. So, yeah. So uh, Kai Kamara and company, Kellen Rowe, um, you know, some, some talented people uh, with the revolution and uh, actually haven't got my – questionnaire back yet from the uh, new england blog of, uh, so there's some some questions i have about them i got to see about i don't know maybe 15 total minutes of of the revolution against the rapids so i'm gonna have to jump on mls live and, and watch the replay of that um the revs i think i think they had a man sent off with a second yellow if i'm not mistaken but they didn't look very good uh and the rapids did their normal boa constrictor routine where they just suck the life out of the game and play defense and um... it is very tough <laughs> to go into Colorado and come away with anything because yeah they they are stingy as the day is long that is for sure hard to break them down you remember the Orlando City went in there got a nil nil draw last year and it was considered a good result so yes um <clears throat> the Rapids don't look like they've changed a whole lot despite losing uh Jermaine Jones in the offseason um Anyway, the Revs, uh, again, a team that Orlando City has uh, struggled against, only one victory against the Revs uh, in two seasons, and that came in the most recent meeting, the first meeting after Jason Christ took over the helm uh, at Orlando City. I believe that was a 3-1 to decision uh, last year, and uh, Jason Christ's debut at uh, Camping World Stadium, and uh, it was nice to get a win that way, but... Uh, mostly what we like to do against the Revs is tie 2-2. Two to two. We like to have those 2-2 two, two draws. <laughs> um, Carlos Rivas got the, the tying goal and the 2-2 two, two draw at Foxborough last year. So what do you see as the key matchup in, in this game? And uh, let's get your predicted scoreline for Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Okay, so uh, once again, um, key of the game is going to be defense. Funny enough, um, the Revs, did almost exactly the same thing that Orlando did on the offseason, which was they went and fortified the back line, added a couple key pieces here and there. But, um, you know, their focus was, you know, getting that back line, you know, stronger. So um, I think it'll be a, um, a question of uh, who did it better. Uh, did, did we did we do it better? Did they do it better? Um, the other key for me is um, – what happens in the midfield? You know, where, who do we put where? Um, we already know what the top's going to look like. We're going to have Rivas and Laren. What does that middle look like for us? I think we've, you know, other than figuring out where Will Johnson's going to be, I think the back line is, you know, at least fairly sorted, you know, three out of the four. Mm-hmm. So 
how does the midfield play? That's that's where the the match will be won or lost for us. If um, they play like we did um, this past Sunday, I, it could be rough, especially with the temperature. If um, the passing is crisp and we're able to um, work the ball forward a little bit more instead of just trying the long ball, uh, and then I think we come out with it. As far as my actual prediction, I'm going to go with a... 1-1 draw, uh, as much as I'd like to go into New England and come out with a win, um, that doesn't seem to be the norm. <laughs> and so, uh, um, un- like you last week, and, and you were wrong, so hopefully I'll be wrong this week. Yeah. Uh, um, you predicted a draw last last week. I'm going to predict a draw this week. And uh, like I say, hopefully I'm wrong. All right. Well, yeah, I think that the, the certainly for me the key matchup is – is Orlando City's attack against the defense of New England Revolution. I think that the, you know, without Cock, without Kaká in the lineup, I, I think it's going to be very, very difficult for this team to score. Um, they're going to need a moment of magic from somebody, whether it's MPG, whether it's Rivas uh, feeding into Laren, whether it's Laren creating a shot for himself, whether it's Giles Barnes coming up with something special, whether it's a set piece. I think they're going to have to scuffle for, for goals here in the next uh, few weeks. And um, because they just don't have that dynamic player to, to set to set in Rivas, to set in uh, Laren in behind the defense. And um, for me, it's, it's going to be very, very difficult to score goals. But it, it looks like this is a team capable of maybe limiting damage on the other end. I, th- I Even before you said it, I already had a 1-1 draw in my mind as well. I think because I think somehow... Orlando City needs to get a moment of magic from somebody, and I just don't see us scoring more than one this year up there. Um, the other thing I think is that uh, New England's going to be playing a very desperate game, not wanting to drop their first two games of the season, mm-hmm. and being at, being at home is going to be a big help for them. Kai Kamara is probably the likely candidate since he likes to score goals against us. Yeah, he and, does. Uh, oh, I hate that guy. <laughs> he's very, very good at it, apparently. Um and he's a guy who can not only he can score in a lot of different ways, very good in the air, very good with his head, and he can he can create his own shots, which a lot of strikers can't do that. So yeah, um, I just see him breaking through at some point. I think it's one one instead of two two because I think both teams have improved defensively, um, and I think also Orlando City just won't have its full arsenal of firepower offensively. So I, I think that. That speaks to me as a 1-1 draw. I think it would be a, a, a decent result, not a great result. Certainly, um, when I think of the Eastern Conference teams, I think of New England as a team that will be below the red line at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, it's too early to tell that for sure, but I, I would just suspect that New England hasn't gotten uh, enough improvement to get over the teams that were ahead of them before, and I think some of the teams behind them got better. So um, right. I, I just see that uh, it, it's a game that Orlando City would if if Kaká was healthy, I would probably be predicting an Orlando City win. But without him healthy, I'm, I'm seeing a draw, and I think we probably need to take points wherever we can get them uh, while the captain's out. Absolutely. So there you have it. Um, hopefully we're both wrong and Orlando City goes in there and wins 5-0. Um, <laughs> that would be unprecedented. That would be great. <laughs> yes. Well, well, we would take it. Yeah, we would definitely take it. Um, uh, but it'll be interesting to see how this team comes together. I think... I predicted before the season that I think Orlando City might start a little bit slowly and then get better as the season goes on, as these new pieces start to figure each other out and, and Jason Christ learns what he's got and how to best use them. You know, guys like Barnes and Sutter, guys that haven't been here yet. Um, it will be interesting to see if uh, I think Justin Mapp has been in here as a trialist. It will be interesting to see if he gets a look, if they end up putting Kaka on the disabled list for six weeks. Um, that's another possibility. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, Justin Mapp was a very, very talented player before he had some injury problems. So um, he's a guy that if, you know, if you need some offense, he might be a guy that can help provide it. Uh, but, it'll, you know, it's it's going to be a work in progress. I think that you might see the team, you know, look great one week and then take look like they've regressed. But I think it's just a matter of growing pains as, as new players um, – and we've got them all over the field, learn, yeah. learn to gel together. I mean, I think it was a pretty amazing performance by Toya and Johnson and Spectre. Um, 
you know, back there along with Aha, who wasn't even much of a starter last year. So a great job by those guys. But I think that now they're on film, uh, you know, teams will start attacking that defensive uh, that defensive line a few different ways, and we might see some things that work against it, some things that don't work. So um, anyway, you slice it. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how the team gels uh, moving forward and how Jason Christ learns to use all the pieces at his disposal. So uh, anyway, uh, that – that's that's basically it, and uh, um, you know I'm looking forward to week two. See if this team can keep it going, uh, build on it, build some confidence. I know that they felt pretty good with the win, but I, I don't think that the team as a whole feels great about the way they performed, and um, and I know that they think that they can get better. So uh, what we need is a good solid outing against New England. What we need is uh, for Orlando City to go up there and not concede a goal early, it would be so huge for this team to get the first goal. Absolutely, and um, no matter what, if we can come away with points, I'm going to be happy, um, or a point, I'll be happy. If we come away with three, even better, but at, at, mm-hmm. at least not uh, at least not come out of there with nothing. Well, at least if, if the team can make this new stadium a fortress, then any point you get on the road is going to be gravy. Yes. So Absolutely. that's one, one way to look at it is the team hasn't always done well at home. If they can change just that uh, and then keep their road results about the same, then you know, then they've they've pretty much done their job in MLS. And, and and that's a good formula for finishing above the red line is win your home games, steal points where you can on the road. Absolutely. All right, Dave. Well, that's going to put a bow on it. That's going to just about do it for episode number 76 of the Mainland Podcast. Uh, please go find us on the, the interwebs at themainland.com. That's T-H-E-M-A-N-E-L-A-N-D. Main like Alliance Main, not like uh, Main Street or anything like that. Um, you can follow us on uh, on Twitter. We're at the mainland again with the main like a lion's mane, and you can uh, like us on Twitter, uh, like us on the Facebook. I think some of you can call your grandparents and say, "Hey, the main mainland is on Facebook." I know, <laughs> Granny, you're still on Facebook. You can you can you can like them. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the kids are on on all the other stuff now, right? Now it's just yeah, the, it's just it's, it's just the old folks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> Uh, please, if you like what you hear, go to iTunes and, and please give us a favorable review and, and say some nice things about us. It's it's a good way for us to move up in the, uh, the iTunes rankings and, and the search engines and that kind of thing. So, uh, again, uh, this has been um, it's going to be a weekly thing. Uh, we're in the season now. Things are, are cruising along. And, of course, uh, we've got Orlando City B and Orlando Pride uh, coming up. Their season's both uh, starting in the upcoming weeks. So um, we'll be back next week to talk about the New England Revolution match and uh, preview uh, the following match, which is the Philadelphia Union. Uh, That will be game two at the uh, Orlando City Stadium. So um, lots of fun stuff coming up. We'll have another interview next week. Don't know who it's going to be yet, so we can't tease it. But uh, please, uh, you know, stay tuned to the mainland for all your Orlando City needs. And uh, on behalf of uh, on behalf of Dave Rowe, I am Michael Citro, thanking Sarah Hagen once again and signing off as we usually do by saying, "Go City." <laughs>